Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, three and easy against Leeds as the Blues take a big leap towards the Champions League. We've got two FA Cup finals to preview and a quiz with which to befuddle our experts. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Ah, that's better. Chelsea back to winning ways in the Premier League and with a weekend of cup finals to look forward to. Here to talk it all through with me, Matt Davis-Adams. Ah, Liam Toomey. Dan James, what have you done? Hello. Naughty boy. Naughty boy. Dominic Fifield's also here. Hi, Dom. He got the ball. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you break somebody's ankle. No, no, he genuinely didn't get the ball. I mean, it's clearly (laughs) nonsense. I mean, that's what he said, though. It's ridiculous. What's he on about? Sorry, carry on. And those Leeds fans, my goodness me, Godin Kovacic, watch the replay, guys. Anyway, let's get straight to the good stuff and the bad stuff, specifically Wednesday in Yorkshire. Mount continuing to apply the pressure. And Ziyech with an opportunity. Lukaku waits. Surely now. And eventually it does go in. The smile's back for Romelu Lukaku and Chelsea well on the way to securing Champions League football. I do love playing here. It's uh, obviously a stadium with a lot of history. The fans are brilliant. They don't like us too much, so it was was a good atmosphere. Um, But as soon as we got the goal, we kind of quietened the stadium down a bit and then we could play our stuff. I'm very happy with the performance and the attitude with which we played. We were very focused, very disciplined and... uh, we helped each other out, we supported each other, so we accepted the challenge and uh, the team did very, very well to deserve this win. As comfortable as it gets for the Blues then, Chelsea cruising to a 3-0 victory against Leeds at Ellen Road to plunge them closer to the Championship and mean Chelsea are all but in the Champions League. That might even be confirmed by the time you hear this, listener, depending on what happens in North London tonight as we record. Uh, Liam, the first thing I put here is the best performance since when? In the Premier League, I'm struggling to think of one. You'd say probably Real Madrid away was as good, if not better than this. I mean, Chelsea weren't up against much, were they? But this was miles better than what we've seen of late. Yeah, I'm currently looking back over the fixtures. Um... The last two Chelsea games I covered, they they won on aggregate 10-0 in the Premier League. (laughs) So I'd take one of those two. Burnley away or Southampton away? Yeah, Southampton I mean, probably. Palace at Wembley as well. Sorry, Dom. They were <laughs> quite not, good that not, day. Not a Premier League game though, is it? That's, uh, you got you got to think of the parameters of Matt's question. Yeah, I just, here. just wanted to mention it. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving. But yeah, no, it's it, <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Is the point? Um, they've kind of been sleepwalking to the end of this Premier League season. And to me, this game was what the Everton game should have been. You're facing a relegation battler that is playing on pure emotion, pure emotion in the stadium, emotion that can be harnessed by, you know, a smart, more talented opponent if you keep your heads. 
you can you can pick them apart. Chelsea singularly failed to do that against Everton and got roped into it all and ended up folding in quite a spectacular way. This time, they were just ice cool, and obviously the early goal really helps. It was a, they they started the game moving the ball really nicely. The way Leeds approached it, I think, helped them because the game was in a permanent state of transition, it seemed. There was so much space, end-to-end. Um, great finish from Mount. And and unlike in some previous games where they've taken the lead, they never really looked back. And they, they, they just, yeah, kept plugging away. It was a very, very comfortable afternoon in the end. And of course, Dan James getting sent off as well for that horrendous tackle on Kovacic, I think you know, just ended any sort of um, tension about the result. I, I, I think Leeds immediately lost belief that they could get back into the game, even at 1-0 down. And Chelsea, I think, relaxed a little bit, not in a bad way. They relaxed into their football um, and that enabled them to pull further clear. Uh, Mason Mount, Dom, double figures now for goals and assists. Uh, we were wondering on commentary last night whether he might scoop the Player of the Season award for the uh, the second year in a row. He was absolutely terrific here. He was. I mean, he was given time and space by the frantic nature of Leeds's performance, but he really grasped it fantastically and and imposed himself on the game. He was an ex- excellent. I've, I'm in the process of of compiling our season reviews for Chelsea, which does have a section on the player of the year. And Mount has been undoubtedly the most consistent attacking player in this group. Um, I think I'll probably end up, I'm going to have to discuss this with Liam and and Simon, who clearly have casting votes, given that they see Chelsea a lot more regularly than I do. But I think, you know, had Antonio Rudiger not been so consistently excellent and at the other end of the pitch, you could, you could, there are cases made for Reese James, for, for Thiago Silva, for Matteo Kovacic as well. And it would be Mount. It would be Mount because he is a, he's become a, a talismanic player in this Chelsea team. And the fact that he's homegrown adds to the sort of mystique around his performances. I, I, he was excellent last night in a, in a game where he, he was always likely to revel, but, to carry a bit of form into the FA Cup final on the back of that is uh, really encouraging. Uh, which leads me nicely on to Romelu Lukaku, Liam. Uh, he, it looked as though he wasn't going to get his goal. When the chance came to him to get his goal, it looked as though he wasn't going to get his goal. Um, but he did eventually <laughs> manage to score three goals in two games. But but I just thought that Chelsea actually played to his strengths for a lot of the game. And in turn, he helped his teammates. His hold-up play was fantastic. He looked like he could score every time he got the ball. This is what we were sold. Chelsea were far more direct in, in in looking for him and trying to isolate him against defenders. I would add the caveat that it was a lot easier to do that because of the way Leeds were playing. They were a lot higher up the pitch. The way they were trying to press Chelsea meant that there was more space for someone like Lukaku to exploit. This wasn't you know, like a bottom half Premier League team sitting in a really low block, compressing the space and just trying to smother Lukaku out of the game as he's experienced all too often this season. Um, there were still times when teammates could have found him and didn't, but generally he was a lot more involved. He looked a lot sharper. He looked like those two goals against Wolves have done him the world of good in terms of his confidence. He was working a lot harder without the ball, showing a a willingness to try to fulfil the the sort of lead pressing role in um, in Tuchel's system, even though he'll, he'll probably never be as good at that as, as Havertz is. And yeah, it was a, a a comedy goal 
really, in a good way in the end, because he, he delayed it just long enough to to make you think that there was absolutely no way he could score and then just hilariously smashed it into the into the far corner. Uh, the bad news then was that injury to Mateo Kovacic, horrendous challenge from Dan James. Thomas Tuchel says of him for the FA Cup final, Kovacic, if he misses it, I'm very disappointed. He was a clear starter. He looked absolutely furious, didn't he, Dom? It was kind of strange that, that he, he tried to hobble on for, for five minutes or so, maybe not wanting to believe the extent of the injury. But the fact that it's the same ankle that he's hurt before means it's um, potentially really bad news. Yeah, badly swollen. It, it renders him very, very unlikely to feature at Wembley, I'd imagine. It's funny because I, I attended the pre-match press conference that, that, that Tuchel did down at Cobham on, on Tuesday and the the possibility of Leeds being aggressive and physical um, was brought up in that in that presser. Um, and he almost down... Tuchel almost downplayed that prospect. I mean, maybe he... Maybe, I don't know, maybe he... he the heckles went up, and and he he was worried that that anything he did say might be perceived as influencing a referee ahead of a game, which of course I think carries a fine now for most managers. But but um, he he sort of the similarities and the that were obvious with the Everton game in that respect. There was he only had to look at Leeds' recent performances. Um, I mean, not even not just talking about Luke Ayling at Arsenal, but go go back to the game at Sellers Park where they actually. I think it was the fifth game of an unbeaten run and, and they drew nil-nil, but they were really, really niggly and, and the, the tackles were flying in all over the pitch. And it was a... Uh, and look at, the, look at the tally of yellow cards they've racked up over the course of the season, which is already a record. I think it's approaching 100. So there was always that possibility. That the one thing we didn't foresee is that it would be Dan James, of all people, that would be ploughing in on someone's ankle in, in, the, in the manner he did. But it it's just indicative of a sense of panic and, and this sort of frantic nature of Leeds' performance. It was just wild. There's no control whatsoever, which which on the one hand was brilliant for Chelsea because it allowed them to impose themselves on the game and win it comfortably. But on the other, it always carried this risk of somebody picking up a bad injury. And that did look a bad one. And it's such a shame because Kovacic, as I mentioned earlier, I think he's been outstanding when he's been fit and firing in this Chelsea team this season. He's really added a new dimension to the midfield and stepped into the breach where, you know, if N'Golo Kante has struggled a bit or, or Jorginho has been in and out, um, he's, it's, a, it's Kovacic who's filled that void. I suppose the only plus sign is there's probably more chance of Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing now at Wembley and, and I'd, I'd like that because I think he, he was a, a major difference in the semi-final and if it's any consolation for me having an ex-Palace player winning the uh, winning the FA Cup would be something It's an absolute killer particularly against Liverpool not to have Kovacic yeah. because you look at the way he played against them at Stamford Bridge in January he was absolutely immense even aside from the incredible volley he scored um, and then again at the, in the Carabao Cup in February, there's no probably no central midfielder in world football that you would pick to wriggle their way through a press with the ball at their feet and carry the ball in transition than Kovacic. He's so, so good at that. And that is such an important part of any successful Chelsea game plan against Liverpool because they need to turn them over. They need to find a way to beat that press and then expose Liverpool's high line. Kante can do a little bit of that ball carrying albeit not quite as um, elegantly as Kovacic can. And of course, Loftus-Cheek can as well, as as Dom said. But what Loftus-Cheek doesn't quite offer you yet is the same sort of control and assurance that, that Kovacic can provide in possession. It's really those combination of things that 
make this such a devastating blow because Chelsea don't have another player that can offer them everything that Kovacic does against Liverpool. We'll preview that shortly. First, though, some news uh, which broke late last night and was confirmed by the club this morning. They've got a new sleeve partner. Chelsea Football Club today announced a new partnership with Amber Group, a global leader in digital assets, products and infrastructure. As part of this historic partnership, Amber Group will become the club's official sleeve partner with the logo of Whalefin, the company's flagship digital asset platform emblazoned across the kit of both the men's and women's teams from the start of next season. Uh, you excited about Whalefin, Dom? I mean, <laughs> basically, all we say about this is that it's a, a decent amount of money to have some logo of a company we don't really understand what they do put on the sleeves of your shirt. Yeah, I haven't got a clue what they do, to be honest. Um, maybe they'll maybe they'll explain that over time. I mean, it seems to be a considerably worth considerably more than the the previous deal, Hyundai, which I think was worth. 50 million over four years and the, the talk is of this is about 20 million a year um so that's something it was obviously all, all negotiated before sanctions came in but also presumably before the sort of crypto assets market was was hit with what's looking increasingly like a, a global collapse but you know, that money's guaranteed to come into the coffers it's it's a good start for the for the new owners when they're confirmed, I guess. It's it's one revenue stream that comes into the club, which is timely. Um, although, I suppose, as a, as a new owner, you may want to be exploring all these these things yourself, I guess. There, there, is, there, there is that aspect to it. But I suppose it's one less thing to worry about. Um, and I wonder now whether this is... A, whether, whether Chelsea are out there looking at what to do with their main shirt sponsors now and three... And whether that uh, a change is imminent on that, given the sort of fracture in relationships that were provoked by by sanctions and uh, different companies' reaction to uh, to the sanctions being imposed on Abramovich. Yeah, that's why I think this is probably this will probably be regarded as a good thing by the new owners. One less thing to worry about because they've got a lot to do in a short space of time in terms of sponsorships. You know the three the the Hyundai relationship was was um, running out this summer anyway, which is why this was negotiated before the sanctions, which is Chelsea being proactive. But the three deal was supposed to have at least one more year left to run, and now that looks pretty untenable. And my understanding is that Chelsea were having trouble finding a commercial partner to pay what three ultimately ended up paying to be on the shirt, which was about forty million a year. So for new owners to have to come in and essentially rip up that agreement and find a new logo for the shirt in time for Nike to print next year's kits. Um, it was already a pretty tight schedule. So the fact that they've now apparently got one one sponsor lined up, albeit in the notoriously volatile world of cryptocurrency, will, will probably be a good thing for them. When it comes to crypto, I would advise anyone to uh, to follow our excellent colleague, Joey Derso who has become the go-to person for sort of no no nonsense reporting on all things crypto and NFTs. Yeah, he's done some great work, particularly on what's happened at Crawley Town of late. If you want to read that kind of stuff, just head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up. Uh, Dom, do you have strong feelings about FaceBank? <laughs> I, I, I did for a while, actually. And then they were, they were it was emblazoned all over the top of the Arthur Waite stand at Sellers Park. 
And then I think the, the storms blew it down and it's never been replaced <laughs> since. So I think that's some, there's some kind of, uh, yeah, some, some kind of bigger source there that's, uh, that's, that's dealing with it. Something bigger force of nature in play. So their palace is sleeve shirt sponsor. They are a mixed reality firm. But, but, they're, they're, but they're owned by one of the owners. So they're a sort of an in-house. <laughs> I doubt they were £20 million a year, let's put it like that. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, it feels like there's an athletic long read in why teams pick such random shirt sponsors. We've gone from Visit Rwanda and Angry Birds to Whalefin and Facebank. I mean, presumably it means something to somebody. Let's get back to football, shall we? <laughs> and we'll preview the FA Cup final next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. The 2022 Men's FA Cup final will kick off in the hallowed 16.45 slot on Saturday. Chelsea against Liverpool <laughs> under the arch at Wembley. Uh, team news-wise, Liam, you and Simon have, have teamed up for the Athletic to go through who should be starting and who should not. I mean, we're thinking now Kovacic won't play. I am also assuming that Angola Kante won't because of the fact that Thomas Tuchel said that Kovacic would have been a definite starter. Would you agree with that? He's got to be a, a pretty serious doubt, if nothing else. Yeah, I think it's less than certain, uh, but I, I I don't know if I would draw that sort of straight line link because I think he I think he was talking about Kovacic as a certain starter, A, on form, because I think he's been Chelsea's best central midfielder, but also, as as we discussed earlier, for the particular style matchup against Liverpool and how well he's played against them. We'll get a better idea of Kante's readiness or, or otherwise um, from Tuchel's press conference on Friday. But uh, it, Chelsea need him now, even more so that, that Kovacic is out because you need to be able to turn Liverpool over in valuable areas. And there's no midfielder in the world better at doing that than Kante, even if he hasn't always been at his very best this season. And it also opens up the possibility, as we discussed in our piece, to go back to the, the double six combination that won the Champions League last season with Jorginho and Kante. And I know both of them have struggled physically at times this season. But their understanding and their shared experience in in huge matches is invaluable in a game like this. If Chelsea are going to have any hope of mustering sort of one last big effort to to end this season with a trophy, I think it'd be really important to have that combination on the pitch if they can. 
fascinating decisions for Thomas Tuchel to make elsewhere too. Does Trevor Chaloba start after his performance on Wednesday night? I wonder. And, and Dom, the other thing that, that everybody will be keen to see would, would be the front three because obviously the three who started at Ellen Road all scored, but there's a theory that, that Timo Werner's pace can be utilised well against Liverpool. Who would you be picking? Havertz come back in as well, maybe? Oh, don't start me here because Blooming Liam will be shouting at me. I, I'd go with Luke, to start, Lukaku. Though, I, I, I think he does. I, I, th- I think he's been, I think he's been outstanding in the last few games. And and the performance at Ellen Road, okay, it was up against the Leeds Leeds team, whose whose defence was fairly ramshackle, and they were they were depleted for a large part of that game. But I thought he he looked, as you said earlier, he, that Chelsea played to his strengths, um, and he he looked a, a player that that had remembered what he was good at because there was a period in this season where he just looked completely lost and 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 he didn't didn't nobody was nobody was playing to to where playing the ball to where he wanted it um the delivery was poor and his movement was awful as well but it's all sort of sparked and it's it's come on the back of you know a brace against Wolverhampton Wanderers and that second goal against Wolves everything sort of clicked with that moment really um and I do think that that Kai Havertz has looked weary He's looked tired. He had a, a good run in the team, and, and for a while, that that Havertz, Werner, and and Mount combination really felt first choice. But of late, I he just looked. He just went. He faded, unfortunately. And I think now you you pick you pick your strongest team. You go into this game with with a team that you feel is going to be physically up for the challenge that Liverpool present. If if Lukaku is moving and Lukaku is is using that energy in the right way, he might be the man to unsettle Virgil van Dijk. Um I, Kai Havertz is, you know, at full at full pelt when he, you know, when he was in that rich vein of form, um he would have he would have done something similar, I, I think. But I think it's we haven't seen that for a bit of time. Not 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 a long time, but just a, a bit. So I'd go with Lukaku and I'd probably play Werner's pace, yeah, um alongside Mount, um, but probably starting from a bit deeper as a number ten. All right, Liam, take a deep breath and count to 10 so oh, you can God. Really consider this because I don't want you to get too cross. Just while you do that, um, I think Lucy probably gets the casting vote. When she writes in the uh, in the <laughs> script in all caps, you know she's serious. He has to start so I can actually wear my Lukaku shirt for the first time this season with pride. And I think there's eight exclamation marks to finish that. So, Liam, if you can, if you can talk Lucy out of that, I'll be impressed. Look, I'll start by saying I don't think it's an easy decision given the way Lukaku's played, and that's to his credit. He, he's shown enough form in the last couple of games that there's a real, there is a real debate to be had. The reason why I came down on, on Havertz's side in a piece was, <laughs> we not, know that. Just be- was, not, yeah, was not just because I was, was not just because of an innate desire to stay on brand. It was because of the specific demands of playing Liverpool that Chelsea have shown in the last two meetings. So there was a moment in the second half of the January game between Chelsea and Liverpool where Tuchel brought on Jorginho and they already had Kante and Kovacic on the pitch. He switched to a 3-5-2 effectively. Chelsea had started the game in a 3-4-3 and they immediately got pinned back by Liverpool because the front two could not press Alexander-Arnold and Robertson and they became Liverpool's easy outballs. And Tuchel almost immediately mm-hmm. realised his mistake and he actually pushed Kovacic out of position to the left of the front three 
to try and give Chelsea a front three again so they could press Liverpool properly. So that that's what I mean when I talk about if you can't press Liverpool effectively, particularly those fullbacks, you can't compete. I was arguing that Werner Werner stayed deeper as a ten though. I was I don't I don't want I wanted to play the two one. I don't want the one two. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if you know, if they can get through that, you know, Mount can get through that amount of work. If if Werner can do it, then perhaps it can work. Um, but you know, the reason why I would go with Havertz in that game is because we know how good he is at leading the press in the number nine position. The the front three I went with without wanting to completely spoil the piece, was basically the Champions League final front three of Werner, Havertz and Mount. Because I think Havertz drops deep, Werner runs in behind. You can exploit Liverpool's weaknesses in that sense, but you also give them enough to worry about in terms of shutting down those, not shutting down, but making those fullbacks work for whatever they get. Because if you line up in a way that allows Liverpool to pin you back, they will kill you. Is there an argument that you could play... Havertz as a 10, as one of the two 10s. And Lukaku it's possible, yeah. I mean, Tuchel has done it not very often, but he has done it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'd sort of, like everybody else, I think, been a bit fatalistic about Chelsea's chances in this game, Don. But Liverpool look a bit weary. You use that word for Kai Havertz. I, I think you can apply that collectively to Jurgen Klopp's team in the last couple of weeks. And speaking of injured midfielders, looks like Fabinho's yeah. a, a big doubt for this game. That, that makes a difference. Losing Fabinho, definitely. When he hobbled off at Villa Park in, in midweek, it, it felt like a moment. It felt like a time when Chelsea would be punching the air quite quietly from afar. He's He is critical to so much. When Liverpool play well, he's he's integral to it all. And he's scored goals from midfield as well this season. And a hamstring strain, I don't think you get over that in, in four days. Um, the only, only caveat to that is that they brought Jordan Henderson on and... I think for the next hour of the of that game or whatever it was, Liverpool had seventy percent of the possession, with Henderson on the pitch and controlling the possession from from his role. So, it's it's not um, it's not that's not like for like. And I think Fabinho would be Jurgen Klopp's first choice uh, number six in there in 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 midfield. But but they do have a a depth of, of resource um, in that area of the pitch. Um, do they look weary? I suppose that they did against against Tottenham last weekend. I, you sort of expect um, things to catch up with them towards the end of the season, given the sheer number of games that they've got. They're right up there with Chelsea in terms of the number of matches they'll be playing this season. Um, but they have this, this added incentive that they're going for something unprecedented in the in, in the quadruple still which I still think it's remarkable that we're talking about that in mid-May and as a team that can still achieve that that's that's fairly phenomenal I wouldn't anticipate them being particularly leggy I think he's managed the score quite well of late certainly the front three I mean he's got so many options up there um, when you see someone like Luis Diaz just take to English football as if as if he's a seasoned Premier League performer um, Mo Salah's jumping at the bit. Sadio Mane's found a bit of form again. I, I think they'll pose a Chelsea quite a lot of problems at the back. Um, one area that they that Chelsea might hope to exploit, possibly Andy Robertson hasn't looked quite himself of late. Um, he he wasn't picked at, at Villa Park. He's rested at Villa Park, I think, in, in midweek. Simicas played instead, and and I don't think he's quite the same player. He hasn't got quite the same caliber as Andy Robertson. 
I suppose it's been counterbalanced slightly. Trent Alexander-Arnold has risen, his game has risen in the last month or so and he's back up towards the standards that we maybe expected of him um, earlier in the campaign, uh, having had a bit of a dip. But um, yeah, I mean, Robertson on, on that left flank, maybe, maybe... Maybe Chelsea might look to exploit a bit on that. I, I, it's I'm probably clutching at straws, but but uh, uh, that might be an area they target. Uh, right, Liam, you've got a dash, so we will speak to you uh, later next week when hopefully there'll be an FA Cup to celebrate. See you all at Wembley. Chelsea appearing in the final for the fifth time in the last six seasons, so they've lost the last two. So we shall see how they get on. Whatever happens, we'll react to it on Monday's pod. Less than 24 hours after that game, the women's team will look to defend their FA Cup. We'll look ahead to that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Chelsea and Manchester City meet in the 2022 Women's FA Cup Final at Wembley. 2.30 UK time on Sunday is the kick-off. The Blues won the 2021 edition back in December. It's the sixth time they've reached the final, having won it on three occasions. Over on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Kate Borsay and Vicky Sparks had a chat about the game. Here's what they had to say. Well, coming up on Sunday, it's the last silverware of the domestic season. Chelsea take on Manchester City in the FA Cup final at Wembley. It's a rematch, isn't it, of the Continental League Cup final, which saw Man City win 3-1. Both sides then looking for their second silverware of the season. Quick prediction from you, Vicky, and will you be at this one? I will. I'll be commentating uh, for five Sports Extra, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, Who will win? I, as a commentator, I tend to sit on the fence. I'll, I'll give you my overall assessment and, and you can draw your own conclusions. I think Chelsea will be so disappointed with the way they lost the League Cup final. I thought Manchester City were outstanding in that second half. I think given the momentum that Chelsea have at the moment going for a domestic double, I think you have to make Chelsea favourites. But will Chelsea slip up again in the way that Manchester City forced them to do? I'm not sure. And I think I'll leave it at that. 
<clears throat> I think Chelsea are going to enjoy this one as long as they can. As long as they can leave everything else to one side for a minute, I, I think that they can really enjoy this game, and therefore that might be to their benefits. Uh, Dom, there's there's no danger that the motivation for this game will have dropped after wrapping up the league, is it? I kind of think back to that. What was the FA Cup final under Conte that Chelsea lost? 2017, when they'd, they'd won the league and then they had that week building up to the FA Cup final. And there was a feeling from Conte in particular that it all got a bit casual around Cobham that week and there wasn't enough focus on the Cup final. I don't think Emma Hayes will let her players feel that way. So that was Arsenal, wasn't it? That yeah, they beat them in the final. Uh, I I wouldn't imagine so. No, I think Emma Hayes will have the focus uh, very much fixed on on gaining that that revenge for the for the League Cup final defeat to Manchester City. Um, I mean, City to finish what nine points off Chelsea. That 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 feels like underachieving to me, um, given the the resources that they've got at that club. So. I suppose a cup double for them would provide some kind of consolation, so they'll be they'll be fairly focused and and steeled for 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 lifting um, two pieces of major silverware this season. And, and it's it's Chelsea's yeah job to to thwart them there, and and it would be it would still be quite a notable double for for Irma Hayes and the and the team to achieve, particularly given everything that they've gone through as well. We sometimes forget that we get we obsess about the the men's team and the and the the issues that sanctions had on 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 Chelsea Football Club and uh, and at Stamford Bridge and the men's game etc but it had a massive effect on an unsettling effect on the women's team as well and 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 you know future funding and knowing that the future will be they'll be as, as committed to the women's team under the new ownership as they as they were under Roman Abramovich's era so for for them to have achieved the the super league success either was I mean that that is testament to the a the commitment and focus of the players, but also the management. I mean Emma Hayes has just done a, such a wonderful, wonderful job there. Um, but she'll want to finish it off in style, uh, as much as it was a a brilliant, brilliant afternoon against Manchester United on that that final day to to stave off Arsenal's challenge at the last. She'll want to go out lifting silverware in the FA Cup, um, and and then then she can go to the new ownership. Look what we've achieved. Look at the trophies that we've won, and and you know this is this is something that we need to to maintain these standards in the in the in the future. I mean, presumably, I'm I'm right in thinking that City will City have underachieved this season, Matt, haven't they? I mean, that, that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, they have, but with the caveat that they had a ludicrous amount of injuries at the start of the season. Yeah. At one point, they were on their third choice goalie, uh, and that made a big difference. But they come into this game having won their last thirteen in a row. Uh, that since the defeat to Chelsea in the league they've also won all three FA Cup finals they've made it to so it's going to be a very very tough task should be a fascinating game uh, that one we'll have the full debrief of it on Monday next a quiz with a twist right FA Cup finals other themes seeing as Liam's not here Lucy is going to answer the questions now there's a lot of trust implicit here Dom because I write the questions down on a script that Lucy and I share and I put the answers in and she claims that she hasn't looked at it so if she gets three from three I don't know I'm not saying it'll be suspicious but it'll be one for the uh, the dubious goals panel if nothing else all right so Liam slash Lucy you're up first I'm sorry Liam I don't want to embarrass you but what was the attendance for last what? season's final defeat against Leicester um <laughs> Okay, it's a trick question because it wasn't full because of COVID protocol. Um, I'm going to say 26,000. Oh, it's close. 
Dom, can you pinch it? Are you seriously asking for a five-figure number? <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get the point. Or are we doing the nearest? Yes. Oh, here you are. Okay. So it's a nice round number then. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, it's either going to be twenty or 30,000 then, presumably, because if that was close. Um, uh, 30,000. Oh, I'm glad you got that wrong, because I shouldn't have said it was close. It was 20,000. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> nil, nil. Dom, here's your first question. Who's appeared in more FA Cup finals, Chelsea or Liverpool? Is that your brain? <laughs> that was remarkable. Oh, still, still coming, look. <laughs> well, this is ridiculous, because if I get this wrong, she gets it right. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll just say how it. many for the point. L- Liverpool. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, Liverpool is is incorrect. <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> this is this is Chelsea's sixteenth versus Liverpool's fifteenth. I'm not I'm not offering that. Yeah, there was a flaw in that question. Uh, this is totally collapsed without Liam, hasn't it? Right, Lucy. Liam was the glue. <laughs> Who was the man of the match last time Chelsea and Liverpool met in the FA Cup final in 2012? Um, did I go to that game? I don't think so. Or maybe I did. Um, they win that game. God, was I at that game? <laughs> I have zero recollection whatsoever. Twenty twelve. That so that's the year after. Uh, that, uh... that was just before the European Cup final, was it? Mm, yes. So that was in that was a, that was Roberto Di Matteo against Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, Still, am I working out for me? This is great. <laughs> she she was six years old. I mean, how she's supposed to... no, I was seventeen. <laughs> I was getting ready to go to university. Um, twenty twelve. It can't. The player in question does have a degree, so you know there's, there's a link for you. Um, it's not. Oh no, oh, Frank Lampard. No. Can you steal it, Dom? Juan Mata. Oh. Juan Mata is correct. <laughs> Finally, a point. So, your second question, Dom, relates to the same game. Who scored Liverpool's goal in the 2012 Ooh. FA Cup final defeat to Chelsea? Uh, uh, Kenny Dalglish, uh, Andy Carroll. I mean, I could take your first anger. No, 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 no. He was the manager. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's 2-0 to Dom. Right. So, Lucy, you need to get this and then get Dom's question. Uh, Okay. Here's your final question. If he features on Sunday, how many times will Mason Mount have played at Wembley in club football? Okay. So that's going to be a trick question because he played in the playoff final for Derby, which they lost to Phil. I don't remember. Aston Villa. Glorious day. When Tammy Abraham scored. So that would be... You're so petty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that would be one. Then he would have done... In finals or appearances? In club football. Uh, Okay. So then he would have played... Would he have played when Tottenham were playing there? No. No, that was too long ago. Uh. (laughs) Okay, so that's one, two, semi-final. Oh, I should say this not in... Remember, we're including Sunday's game. So if he plays in that, Saturday's game, if he plays in that, it will be a total of... Five. Semi-finals are also there, aren't they? So 
I'm thinking eight. Oh, it's close. Saturday will be his seventh. seventh. Damn it. He does. Mm. So the final question of the quiz, which Dom's already won. How many of Chelsea's FA Cup final wins have come this millennium? Oh, blimey. Um... It took me sorry. It took me about thirty seconds to work out what a millennium was. There, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, it doesn't bode well. Um, I would have been at virtually all of them. No, no, that's not true. Oh, six. Absolutely. Spotted. Can you name the years? Uh, 2000. Correct. Showing off now. Uh, 2007 when Mourinho won both. Yeah, first one at the new Wembley. Uh, Carlo won it in uh, Carlo won it in no, wait a bit. Oh no, no, it wasn't Carlo, was it? It was Gus Hiddink in 09. Yeah. Carlo won it in 2010. Yeah. Uh, Di Matteo 2012. Um, and Conte in 2018. Yeah, much to William's chagrin. That is correct. Uh, well done, Dom. You won. I mean, your opponent didn't have much time to prepare, so it's a slightly... And one of the questions was a 50-50, which I couldn't come back on. So it was basically 2-0. <laughs> Either way. Well, I'm, let's make it 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds better. <laughs> Get the away goal. <laughs> away goal should... Or away points. Maybe they should count double. Well, they don't they anymore, though. Advice. You know, it's, yeah. all, it's all changed now. You wait for yeah. Kibosh that. <laughs> Uh, right, elsewhere on The Athletic, Dermot Corrigan has written about how Tony Rudiger fits into Real Madrid's transfer strategy. You can also read that piece that we mentioned where Liam and Simon debate who should start in the FA Cup final. What have you been working on, Dom? Paranoia. Mm. Just generally. Um, I've been working on the back of Pep Guardiola's comments largely last weekend. I'm, I'm working on a piece on supporter groups sense that the world is out to get them which is sure to get me a good response you know, rational response on twitter i'm looking forward to that yeah turn off your notifications for that one uh, athletic.com slash chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up to read everything that we've discussed today and plenty more uh, we will be back on monday when we will run through those two fa cup finals hopefully double delight for the blues at wembley this weekend do join us for that if you can until then from all of us here it's bye for now the athletic 